Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Reside Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Miguel, CEO of the experience agency, D-Flash. Each week, I bring on a different business leader who's doing some game-changing things, and this episode is no different. I'm so excited to have Rebecca Mankoff, yeah, that Rebecca Mankoff, uh, founder of Daphne's Name, Rebecca Mankoff, and the Female Founder Collective. We're going to talk about her founder journey, what she's up to. Obviously, we're recording these episodes in the middle of uh, the coronavirus coronavirus uh, situation that we're all facing together. And so part of the reason of doing these episodes is to connect more folks to each other. And so it's going to be a great conversation. Uh, take a listen. Hey, Rebecca. Um, I am. I'm trying to stay positive throughout this and really adjust to what this new normal is and um, just trying to be optimistic about um, what life is like right now. That's all we can do. I mean, it's a wild and totally unexpected place to be in right now. And I think we're all, the only good thing is that we are all in this together. Uh, and we're all trying to figure it out and wade our way through. So I think, you know, the shared what the hell <laughs> is actually good in this circumstance. Um, this is true. Uh, and, you know, and trying to stay as normal as we can. And so just like with the podcast, I am still going to ask the same first question because I'm sure the answer will be great from you. So Rebecca, what was your first job? Um, I don't know if you want to count my first job as a babysitter. It technically was my first job and it's how I started making money. If you want to like actually have me going to a specific place, I worked in an ice cream parlor, scooping ice cream and waitressing um, when I was 16. And that was so that I could um, have gas money to get to and from school every day. Ah, so wait, what kind of ice cream store? It was, well, I was, uh, in my teenage years, I was in Florida um, and it was an ice cream parlor owned and operated by these two elderly people. We mostly served the elderly. I don't know why, but, um, the ice cream was really delicious. Um, and he would ration us. He wouldn't allow us to eat it. So I had, I had to, I had to sneak it in between when they weren't there and hope that the cameras, you know, weren't catching us. Really? How do yeah. you ration ice cream? That is so, but also Florida. <laughs> As we were saying before. Um, I know little, little crazy. But uh, that was my first job, and I actually really enjoyed it. We played good music. We served ice cream. I mean, let's talk about a stress-free life. Like, that was the mission of that. Yeah. It's like I, rem I remember thinking about, like, when we, we were in that, we were that age where it's like, oh, I go to school. I have an after-school job. I make money so I can, like, put gas in my car to go to my school. Like, that was the only thing we had to worry about. Uh, uh, those were the simpler times. I know, right? A while. So you go from scooping ice cream and, and, and trying to ration it and not steal it, but also stealing it, uh, to becoming Rebecca Minkoff. How does that happen? What's that journey? Oh, man. I think it would take uh, – uh, I'll give you the quickie. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, we would bore people to death. But um, I had fallen in love with sewing and design um, when I was about eight, and I, it was something that I just kept doing and became very serious about. All my spare time was spent creating outfits, 
uh, going to thrift stores, buying outfits, altering them, um, studying costume design in my high school. And so by the time I graduated, I really didn't feel like I wanted to go to college. Um, so I was exploring what was I going to do. And my, I was lucky enough that my brother knew a designer in New York and he said, Hey, I can connect you to this guy. Maybe you can get an internship. So I moved to New York with two suitcases, nowhere to live except for my friend's dorm room, which I guess back then security measures weren't as tight. So he would sneak me in every night and um, started this internship and eventually got hired by the company because I worked my butt off and um, stayed there for about three years and then was politely fired. The CEO said, you know what you're doing, go do it. I definitely don't think I knew what I was doing, but I guess I knew enough um, that I could, you know, start a very small apparel brand. And that was the beginning. Wow. What made you think you could do this at that young age? Um, I think it's part naivety, not knowing and having, you know, nothing there was like nothing to fall back on. And so what did I, I guess my thought was I have nothing to lose. Um, and I was just so passionate. It's all I could think about was creating my own company, creating my own designs and that passion and that desire to make something from nothing is really what fueled me. So, uh, it was that. Awesome. Okay, so you start this clothing line, you call it your name, which makes it easy. When did you know that you had gotten to a really good place with it? Um, it never feels like a good place. I think when, when you can, I, I distinctly remember a feeling of, I don't have to check my bank account to see if I can afford to eat dinner tonight. Okay. Or if I can afford to buy groceries, like that was extraordinarily liberating. Like I was like, oh my God, I have a hundred dollars in my bank account. Awesome. I can go, you know, out and have more than ramen or a salad. And that was like, that was a real moment. And it existed for a long time. It, you know, it existed along the lines of when you go out with your friends to dinner and at the end, everyone's like, well, let's just split it. I'd be like, no, no, no guys, I can't split it. Like I didn't eat what you ate. I had I had an appetizer and water. So I think that it was, it, it felt extraordinarily successful when that happened. Yeah, I think folks forget about that the, the journey of this is so hard, especially when you're in New York trying to make it because everything's so expensive. The pressure to go out is so high. And we, we're in this world where everyone so everyone is trying to figure out who the heck they are. And you've got your trust fund kids, you've got your folks who are working on the Wall Street, you've got your creatives, and you're just trying to live. And you're like, how do I exist in this universe? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're figuring it out. And I think um, it takes a lot of commitment and dedication. And then when you get those wins, it just is a great feeling. So you get to actually start to show at New York Fashion Week. What was that first show like? So the first official show, we decided to do a presentation because um, that's what we were told would be the proper way to launch. We didn't know what we were doing. Um, we knew we needed a stylist, but that was it. And um, 
there's so many more pieces to this puzzle, like a production team and someone that helps you find the models and someone that does the tailoring and fitting. And we were, we just had a stylist and we were like, okay, now what do we do? we got our stylist. Um, um, so I think we, um, we had to go through learning what that means. And we, I think had a 20, 20 models, um, and it was about like a two hour window where people could come and see, and it was really exciting. And we cast an influencer. Her name is Rumi Neely. Um, and so people were like, ew, why did you do that? Why would you have oh. an influencer in your show? But that was, you know, when influencers were deemed D-list celebrities, um, mm -hmm. but we thought, we thought that there was something to them and that they were going to be the future. And thank God we were right. So that was the beginning. Awesome. And you proved them wrong because you're like, listen, it doesn't, you don't, it doesn't require you to have to know every single piece of the puzzle. It just requires you to just go for it. Totally. Um, like that's the thing I think sometimes we get so, like, it's very much the making the perfect the enemy of the good. Like you don't have to, you know, spend a gazillion dollars or get Naomi Campbell to walk your show. You can find an awesome influencer that you actually like and think springs to your brand and then just go for it. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that obviously getting those bigger people is great, but I think you have to really identify who you are, what your brand stands for and the natural sort of allies that make sense with that. And and go after those people. And it's it's not necessarily like the most famous woman in the room. Totally. So we're obviously in the craziest time of coronavirusville, but can you talk to us about the challenge you've had along the way and how you've been able to see your see a way through it? Oh man. Well, the first thing to know about being an entrepreneur or a founder um, is there's a new challenge every day. And I always say can't make this shit up. Feel free to <laughs> exactly. Um, the things I stressed out about two weeks ago pale in comparison to what I'm stressing out about now. But, um, you know, I think one of our early problems was our first production run overseas, um, working with China. They mixed our hardware with Kate Spade's hardware, and we shipped we shipped hybrid bags. And we didn't have a QC person on staff at the time because we couldn't afford one. And so my customer was the one to discover like Rebecca Minkoff and Kate Spade hardware. And I got a nickname, which was awesome. It was like Benefer, but not as sexy. It was Rebecca or Quebeca Spankoff. Oh my God. So what? That was, um, oh. yeah, that was fun. Cause I had, I had developed this community of like rabid handbag enthusiasts. So like they gave me the nickname, they were like, what's wrong with you? You're not a real designer. What's, you know, why don't you have any QC? So, um, yeah. Okay. That's wild. Uh, I, I, <laughs> where, <laughs> one, are any of those bags like around on eBay somewhere? Day, or they might be. We had to turn it into Willy Wonka. Like we literally said to people, "Congratulations, you found one. Send it back to us, and we'll send you um, two bags for free." Like we were just trying to find ways to just make the customer not hate us. Wow, what an awesome way to get people to talk to you. So, you know, making lemonade out of some really effed up lemons. My God, what? How? I know. Are those? Like Jesus. Wow. 
Wow. Well, yeah. So when you think about it those ways, you know, it's, I think about, you know, I turned 40 a month and two days ago. And I remember being like, oh, this is so awesome. I'm going for this party. And, and like, I had 40 people at my birthday party. And if you think about having 40 people around me right now, it's like, yeah, not going to happen. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, the world can change in a time. And when you're, but also I'm sort of weirdly calm about it because I'm an entrepreneur. I'm like, yeah, okay, this is, this is weird. But, you know, I think we're built differently to, not just be stronger, but be more resourceful and figure out ways to, to make that lemonade out lemons when these things arise better than, better than most. Yeah. I think the other, um, interesting piece of advice I got from the founder of Majuri, um, jewelry was like, she approaches her brand like a tech company and you're always innovating. And if something doesn't work and it fails, like she puts it into a failure funnel, which all tech companies do. And there's no emotion connected or I'm a failure or, Oh, what does everyone think of me? There isn't that emotion. It's just like, Oh, that didn't work next. And I think that frees up a lot of, um, mind share in terms of just, you spend your time berating yourself. No, like screw that. Just, Figure it out and move on. That's it. It's like you, you, you go, you'll figure it out. I think, uh, you know, especially to oftentimes as female founders, we, we're, we're supposed to beat ourselves up. And I'm like, yeah, not doing that. <laughs> it's like that didn't work. On to the next thing. And now speaking of female founders, so the way that we met was through the Female Founder Collective, this awesome new uh, program that you started. So what prompted you to start Female Founder Collective? I think it was several reasons. Um, it was the annoying conversations around pay and equity. It was, um, you know, the we'll get, we'll buy in 200 years, we'll make as much as men. And then also this study that uh, Berlin Cameron did that found that 82% of women would support female founded companies if they knew how. And so it was this idea that could we create, um, a seal that a consumer would, you know, know what to shop and buy, buy that it was women founded. Could you create a community that you could leverage to um, support each other with tips, tricks, you know, roadblocks, resources? Um, and could you give these founders education, much like the education um, I wish I'd had when I started out, whether it's, I mean, now it's different types of education. It's growth marketing or SEO or what's your CRM platform, all these things that when you, you know, when you founded something with a passion, you don't necessarily have all the skills and how do you sort of get your education from another founder who's been through it instead of Google, you know, Googling something. So I think the goal was to really create education access to these women. Um, we do that through our events uh, where we have our workshops. We also are starting digital workshops due to our friend Corona. Um, and also have um, a cohort we just launched with UBS to really get these women access to resources and mentorship that they need to really take their businesses to the next level. Awesome. And having gone to the workshop, it's the one, the women who are part of it are phenomenal. Uh, and it's, it's, it's awesome. It's great to be around a good community of women who are out to help each other. Um, and I think now more than ever, the, the, looking for the helpers who are there to, to give guidance are, are so key right now. So it's awesome what you are, what you're doing with it. 
And and for you, what's been the what's been the probably the most surprising thing that's come out of creating something like this? Because I'm sure what you thought it would be and where where it's ended up are probably totally different. I think what's been the most surprising is um, the organic sort of thirst and hunger from these women. Like, I think when you launch something, you hope everyone wants to join your party, but like <laughs> the complete and total, like, I'm dying, help me, um, has been really exciting and fulfilling that there is a white space there, there is a need. Um, and I think that just the community helping each other out has been amazing to see because at least within the fashion industry, there has been in the past this sort of, it's only me versus you mentality. And what's been beautiful to watch is all these founders coming together and offering resources or supporting each other um, in ways that, you know, I, I hadn't imagined when I launched, I had hoped for, but hadn't imagined. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I've had chances to talk to a number of women from the uh, the LA workshop and to, to hear what they're up to and how they've been able to connect with each other has been so awesome because you're like, it, you, you're right, you never know what when you throw something out into this universe, what's going to come back and how it's going to get received. And I think there's been a, a dearth of uh, female founder kind of initiatives and and a lot of them have not had a lot of weight and substance behind them. So to have that, to, to see yours grow and actually have real partners behind it um, is a testament to how authentic and real what you're doing is and how important and helpful it is. So thanks, Rebecca. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> um, so we're in this madness. Um, you've also just launched a new division called Little Men Golf. How in the world are you managing your self-care? Well, you can only do this and expand with a team. And I am always the first to say, this is not just me. We have an incredible team and um, everyone has a job and everyone is expected to uh, do their job and do it well and be an entrepreneur within their role. So the team is what makes it happen. Also with Little Minkoff, we have... A partner it's uh, they're called resonance so a lot of the heavy lifting comes uh on their side of things so you know we do the design we pick the prints we shoot it and the logistics the making the shipping all that is on them to do it so um sadly it's on hold because their dominican republic factory was forced by the government to close but as soon as uh we're back up and running little minkoff will be also back up and running Awesome, because uh, it looks like the cutest stuff ever, and I have a number of nieces who are going to get some presents soon, as soon as you guys are back up. Uh, check to trust. Um, but yeah, so like, how are you, like, what's the thing that you sort of do for Rebecca? Because obviously now, you know, we're all in different locations, we're all trying to make the best of it, but even before that, what were the, what were the things that you sort of did for yourself so that you wouldn't lose your mind? Um, what do I do for myself? Well, I have to sleep eight hours a night, so I make sure that I get sleep. Um, I think when I can find the pockets of time, I guess you could say lucky, lucky for me for work, I have to keep my nails done. I mean, obviously not right now, but when I'm <laughs> shooting all these details and close-ups on bags. So like anytime I'm getting my nails done, I'm like, please give me a massage in that massage chair. So that's my like 30 minutes of just like getting rubbed. Um, 
And I think that exercise for me is a form of self-care in terms of when I can get it, I get it. Doesn't mean I get it as often as I want, but I think that that's something. And then that's about it. I think I sort of view it through the lens of there are certain things that are just going to go go missing right now with the phase of career that I'm in and also the phase of the age of my children. And that's okay. And I know that it's a phase. And as, you know, as my children become more independent and as, you know, work evolves, I think then I can take the time to do other things like read a book or I don't know, go sit cross-legged in front of a lake. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) I love you. <laughs> I'm always amazed by those people. Like, y'all don't have a, you, don't, you really don't work. Because for real, like, it's like, no, you cannot find your own on a freaking lake. It's like, I got, I got companies to build and damages to manage. What the hell? I, especially now, I've been seeing people who have been like uh, going on vacation somewhere, like in the mountains or Arizona and stuff. And I'm like, what? Read the room. If you're gonna do that, don't post it on Instagram. <laughs> I know, right? I know. What's wrong with y'all? <laughs> it's it's the totally. Um, so you know, you know, you you've had a successful career. You're now you know growing into something new, as well as expanding um, product lines, and often and also being in this new exciting universe where we all are. Looking back on it all, what would you tell 25-year-old Rebecca? I, it's hard to, to, I get asked this question and I sort of say, well, if I would have done that, would I be where I am today? Like, thank God social media didn't exist because I worked (laughs) 80, 120-hour weeks. It didn't matter. Like, my weekends weren't spent in the Hamptons. Like, my nights weren't out at the clubs. I was working all the time. And I feel like I sort of missed out on this on this youth, young thing. Or maybe I didn't. Who knows? I didn't get any STDs through that time. So maybe maybe there's a silver lining. Yeah, but I missed yeah, out on this, like, going out to dinner with friends or, I don't know, going on going away for the weekend somewhere. And I feel like, who knows if I would have been where I am now if I had taken those liberties. But I wish I could have just taken a little bit more liberty and not always like just pushed work over everything um so it sounds like you and i lived a mirror life because <laughs> because same i think i i think back to like you know working 11 90 hours for advertising agencies building websites that when i like this was my job right um, and i'm like really and and same deal like you know you you look back on it and you go, okay, but actually those stupid ass skills that I didn't think were important then became super duper important when I became an entrepreneur, like managing a team and being resourceful, all those things that you were just like were annoyed that you could do, which enabled you to work those 90 hours, because not everybody can. Um, they can try and they won't be able to, they can't get anything done. You, know, you and I can work at those hours and crush it. Um, so it's, it's very much a weird way of sort of looking back and like, all right, cool. That, that actually was a good reason for me to have gone through that. And also same, I am so glad there wasn't Instagram when I was 25. Right. I know. 
I got. Or like, yeah. to be a teenager right now with like TikTok and Snapchat, I'm like, thank the Lord, because my I would never get a job. <laughs> yep i'm grateful for that <laughs> it's kind of nuts uh so in spite of it all what do you think is going to be next for you once we get out of this unusual set of circumstances that we're all in together i think what's next is rebuilding um our business uh which has definitely taken a hit um i think navigating so that you are strong as a company for if this were to ever happen again or you know events you can't uh imagine happening if if that was something you could prepare for better um and i think just getting back to normal getting back to what we were doing we have a, a fragrance launch in october so that's going to be really exciting um, it's been a, something I've been working really hard on the last few months. I have a book coming out next summer. So writing that. Awesome. Yeah. What's the book going to be about? I think it's right now, like different chapters are about different key pivotal times within my life and the choices that I made, but it definitely applies to others to make those choices or how to think through those things. And so it's, sort of autobiography meets life lessons that you could take into your life. Awesome. It's going to be a phenomenal read. Um, fantastic. Well, Rebecca, um, it's been such a delight to have you on the show. Um, and I will absolutely put all of, uh, show notes, uh, links to rm.com. So if people go shopping, cause y'all are home, you might as well spend some money. Um, yes, please spend some money, please. I would love that. <laughs> we need it here. Yes. Hey, we are here to help and get some awesome goodies because uh, I feel like that's all I keep doing. Uh, so I need like this uh, and more handbags. Um, but uh, Rebecca, you're, you know, you're you're one of my favorite entrepreneurs, and thank you so much um, for spending some time on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, and that is our show.